Better late than never. Do check out the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where everything from today's show, everything from tomorrow's show, which I will be hosting as well right here on CBS Sports Radio, can be found one easy location wherever you get your podcasts. Hick at Night. Night spelled N-I-T-E. So now that it's Tuesday, I want to give you my final thoughts from week 13 in the NFL. My biggest takeaway from the week 13 action is this. The Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, minus the quarterback, are one of the least talented offenses in the AFC. Like easily. If you really rack your brain right now and think off the top of your head, who are some of the worst offenses? Again, minus quarterback. I came up with two teams that are worse right now than than Kansas City. Patriots and the Jets. Everyone else's group of offensive line, receivers, running backs, tight ends, I think are better right now than Kansas City's. It's been a major disappointment. And one of the biggest disappointments this season has been Travis Kelsey. Now, it's a little weird because the stats don't exactly replicate that. Like, he does have uh, 813 receiving yards. But he doesn't – his presence – does not feel as strong as it was last year, especially in the first year without Tyreek Hill. Like, Travis Kelsey's not taken over as many games as I thought. He's felt invisible at times. Like, you watch him running routes. He looks, at least to me, like he's lost a step. And he's not as impactful right now on these games as we are used to seeing from one of the best tight ends, and I would argue right now the best tight end in the game. His production, despite the numbers still being there, his impact does not feel as profound. And even, too, like Mahomes is is not looking at him. He's not targeting him as much recently as he has in the past. And as, as as much as you would think when he's really the only weapon, that's also part of the confounding part. It's like not only is Travis Kelsey, I don't think, playing or, or having as big of an impact this season, it's also confusing because... It's like the receivers are playing well. The receivers have been bad. Marquez Valdez-Scanling couldn't catch a ball if you drilled him right between the 11s on his chest. Can't catch. Guy can't catch, especially in the big moment. Kadarius Tony's like a, a, a gadget guy you use once in a while, but he's not a reliable receiver. You're going, you're going to really hope takes a big step here or is a big impact consistently in your offense. Sky Moore's been a bust so far. Rasheed Rice has been nice as a rookie, but for a team that has aspirations to win the Super Bowl, are you really going to rely on a rookie wide receiver to be your number one guy in the playoffs? I don't think so. But he's been the, the really the bright spot in this receiver room. Everyone else, I would argue, has been a big fat L. So you look at Kelsey. Underwhelming, and I would say disappointing so far his performance this season. You look at the receivers not playing well whatsoever. Pacheco's been nice, but the offensive line is banged up. Like, there are not many teams right now, I think only two, Jets and the Patriots, that have a worse collective offense, again, outside of the cornerback in the AFC. Kansas City, and these problems, by the way, are not fixable. Not this year. Like, this is not one of those, oh, just get back in the film room and all it's going to do is take one game, they're going to turn it around. They've had 13 weeks. The playoffs are closing in fast. you got five games left. I don't think the issues we're seeing with Kelsey's disappearance at times, with the receivers not catching or being impactful as they should be, I don't think we're seeing that change over the course of five games before the playoffs get here. So I think these issues are going to carry along into the postseason. With all of that said, though, I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. 
they are still my pick to make the Super Bowl out of their conference because for all the warts and all the concerns I think Kansas City has offensively, I don't trust any other team to take advantage of those warts Kansas City has and beat them in the playoffs. I like the Dolphins a lot. I like the talent. I love their culture. I love how they play the game. But if I'm trying to be right here, and I am, I can't right now pick the Dolphins to go into Arrowhead and and beat the Chiefs. Even if they're at Hard Rock, I still feel pretty damn good about Patrick Mahomes going on the road in the playoffs and winning a game. The Dolphins have not, they've not won a big game this year. They're kind of like right now the Cowboys of the AFC. The Kings are blowing bad teams out. When you play good teams, they fall short. Bills, blown out. Eagles, handled. Chiefs, Germany, you lose. Game was up there for grabs, you lost. I like the Dolphins the most. I think they're the team that's the most likely to get. Like if the Chiefs don't make the Super Bowl, I think the, the Dolphins are the team that does not come out. But I still, right now, in the game between the Dolphins, Chiefs, AFC title game, I'm picking the Chiefs. I don't trust the Ravens in the playoffs. Two reasons. Number one, they don't win close games. They're 9-3, and three, but you look at their record and how many times they've blown people out, they are just 3-3 three and three in one-score games. So they can run away and hide and, and take teams to the woodshed, but also when, when games are close here, they're winning just as much as they lose. They're 3-3, three and three, and you know these playoff games are going to be close. They're going to be one-score games, and that record does not have me feeling good about Baltimore in the playoffs winning these close games, especially two... Look, Lamar Jackson's not been healthy for postseason games. And when he has been, he's not been good. He's played four playoff games. He's been bad in all four. He has been bad in all four. So right now, despite a hot start to the season, I can't truly sit here and tell you I believe the the Ravens can beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, who else you got? Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, thankfully, looks to be okay. That ankle injury looks to be just an ankle sprain, and there's a chance he even plays on Sunday. So he may not miss any time, which is good. But the Jaguars, they they have not taken that step I thought they would. I thought they would be, at this point in the season, on the level as the Chiefs. Like a real Super Bowl contender. And kind of like the Dolphins, they've not beaten many good teams. And especially recently, blown out against the 49ers. They lost to the Chiefs earlier this season. Like they have not won a lot of big games and have had little time to impress. They have... They've regressed. I think last year's Jaguars right now are more dangerous than this year's Jaguars. They have not taken that next step I thought they would. Browns, I like the team a lot. I like the build of their team. The defense is late. They got a good running game. Deshaun Watson's hurt, though. Sorry, Joe Flacco. I'm not seeing you at home the dog pound. If that's somehow that happens, or even on the road in Arrowhead, I don't see you beating Chiefs. Uh, the Steelers stink. And you look at the rest of like any, any sort of playoff teams here, like the Colts, backup quarterback, um, Broncos offense not good enough. Texans are young. That's a fun team, but I don't see a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryan's and a rookie quarterback in CJ Shroud going a- into the playoffs here and, and beating Patrick Mahomes. I think the problems that Kansas City has are legitimate. They are real. The problem is, even with those those real issues on offense. And I think vulnerabilities for the first time in a long time, I don't think there's a team right now in the AFC that is built and equipped to take advantage of those weaknesses. 
take advantage of that vulnerability and come playoff time, win at home or on the road, beat the Chiefs. I can't see it. I can't see it. So despite the fact that I think the Chiefs have some real problems on offense that are not going away anytime soon here, the, to me, the AFC still runs through Kansas City. I still think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Not gonna, I don't think they're going to win it, but I just can't see right now a team in the AFC knocking them off the perch, not this year. Love to hear your thoughts. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Who is the team to beat in the AFC? I'm saying it's the Chiefs. If you disagree, who do you got? Who is your team right now? Who do you think the AFC runs through? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. I will take a break. We'll get your thoughts on that when we return. But also, too, I want to highlight the Jaguars a little bit. Coming off their Monday night loss to the Bengals, have they been the most underwhelming team in the NFL? I think so. I'll explain why next. It is Ryan Hickey on a Tuesday with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Kicking this hour off discussing who runs the AFC right now. Who is the team to beat with five games left in the regular season? Who's the team to be in the conference? I still do think, despite legitimate concerns on offense, I still think it's the Chiefs. I don't want to, like, I'm not a Chiefs fan. I mean, I don't hate the Chiefs, but it's, you know, I I am ready to see uh, fresh blood here. And it's just like, I can't right now identify and or truly talk to you. And I'm trying to be truthful here, right? Like, I 
I tell you how I feel, and you may think it's crazy at times or, or stupid or no way that's real or, or true. Everything I tell you is, is how I truly feel, and I try to back it up as best as I can here. I'm not going to lie. not going to just say things to say things or, or, you know, spew thoughts that I don't actually believe. I would love to sit here and tell you the Dolphins are the team to beat in the AFC. Hell, as a Colts fan, I'd love to sit here and tell you one day the AFC runs through Indy. But I can't because despite the concerns I have with bad wide receivers, dropping the ball, bad second-half performances as well, I just can't sit here and truly believe in another team not named Kansas City to take advantage of those weaknesses and beat them in the playoffs. So we saw it on Sunday night against the Packers. That offense has concerns. The receivers are not separating. Travis Kelsey, I don't think, is making as big of an impact as he should. The offensive line now is going through injuries. The second half um, adjustments have not been there um, offensively because they are one of the worst teams in terms of second half scoring in the league when they used to be one of the best in their heyday. There's real concerns about Kansas City. I just don't think, though, right now anyone is, is equipped this season to take him down. Home or road, by the way, because it doesn't look like the, the Chiefs are going to get the number one seed. So Mahomes will have to play, looks like, the his first career road playoff game at some point. Um, even that, though, is not, to me, enough of a, a challenge to say, oh, no, th- this is not their year. I still think the AFC runs through the Chiefs. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. Let's go to Buddy, call from California. What's up, bud? Hey, Ryan, thanks for taking my call. Uh, love listening to the show. Um, you know, certainly the Chiefs, I think, are, I'm going to say, the easy pick. Obviously, defending champs. Sure. Uh, uh, your best quarterback uh, in pro football. But I think their problems run a little bit deeper than lack of receivers dropping the ball. I mean, in the playoffs, you know, you got to be able to run the rock. you got to be able to pound the ball. You got to be able to spread out defenses. You got to make big plays, and then you also got to stop big plays. And what I've seen out of the Chiefs this year is really none of those three. They can't really spread out the field because they don't got the cheetah anymore in Tyreek Hill. Right. That has made a huge impact. And not without question had an impact on Travis Kelsey's ability. Because if I'm on defense, I'm going to say Kelsey's not going to beat me. Go ahead and Isaiah Pacheco, you run it down my throat. I don't think so. M- Miami, they don't. I mean, two of the he's not Mahomes. But he's a pretty darn good quarterback. Without question, Miami has a better running game between Mostert. they got a Shane coming back now. They've got the Cheetah that the Chiefs don't. The Dolphins' defense has actually been playing pretty darn well. So with big playability, the ability to run the ball, they, they hung 70 on the Broncos, who I'm pretty sure beat up on Kansas City. Kansas City got exposed by Jordan Love, uh, you know, in a game that, that shouldn't happen. So, uh, Buddy, I want to know, agree with think, you. We also just can't pretend it didn't happen. The Chiefs and Dolphins played, and that explosive, high-flying Miami offense scored two touchdowns. That's it. Oh, well, well, yeah, but but again, you know, if you just look at the offensive abilities of the Miami Dolphins versus the offensive abilities of the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think you can say that the Chiefs have better offensive players and talent. I also don't no, think I'm not saying the Chiefs that. have better defensive talent. So I'm basing it on the talent on the field this year, I think was what is the discussion and the, and, and the debate is, and who's more equipped to take advantage of those right now because of the running, because of the big playability? I think it's the Dolphins. 
Uh, and now I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased because I'm calling that on a neutral field. I think if it's an arrowhead, little different story. But if we were to go with neutral field, I'm going Dolphins. Buddy, appreciate the call. Now, it could be Miami because right now, again, the, the Dolphins do have um, the better record right now than the Chiefs by a game. So, again, if the season ended today, I know it doesn't. But if it did, that game and they met in the playoffs, it would be Miami. Two things here. Number one. I, maybe you missed it, and so this is just me, on me for not resetting it. I started the, the the hour by saying, outside of the Patriots, outside of the Jets, I don't think there's another team with a worse offense, quarterback removed, quarterback removed. I don't think there's a worse offense than what Kansas City has. Receivers, tight ends, offensive line, running backs. Patriots are bad. Jets are bad. I don't really think there's a there's another team that's right now worse than New England. I think they're third. Uh, excuse me, uh, worse than Kansas City. I think they're third. So I'm not sitting here telling you the Chiefs have more talent than the, the Dolphins. No, you're 100 right. The Dolphins have more offensive talent, without a doubt. That's number one. Number two, though, is my concern is we saw these two teams play. Now it was in Germany again, neutral site, and we saw Miami's offense put up 14 points. All that explosiveness resulted in two touchdowns. And that's been Miami's trend so far when they played Buffalo, blown out. When they played the Eagles, just 17 points. So it was 20 against Buffalo, 17 against Philly, 14 against um, 14 against Kansas City. They actually went down in terms of points per game scored against the three best opponents on their schedule. So for Miami, before I start believing in them, I want to see him do it. I want to see them go head-to-head and beat a good team. I'm, I got to double-check this. I don't want to, again, be, be spewing lies here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm pretty sure they play the Ravens coming up here soon. They do. They play the Ravens on New Year's Eve. Oh, what, a, what a great game that is. And they play the Cowboys the week before that. You want to have me believing? Beat the Cowboys at home. Go to Baltimore and beat them. That's the only thing right now holding back Miami is they can beat up the bad teams they have yet to put it all together about the good teams, uh, against the good teams. Brian's calling from Hawaii. What's up, Brian? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How we doing, so, man? I'll live in the dream out here in Hawaii. Well, but, you know, sure. I have to agree with the last caller. The road to the Super Bowl is going through Hard Rock. Why is that? I mean, their offense is explosive, right? And I'm, I'm honestly just tired of the narrative that um, the media is portraying that the Dolphins – don't beat any good teams. Our three losses come to arguably three of the better teams in the NFL. And those teams are losing to teams that are not good, according to the media. So what does it say about the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles? Wait a second. Brian, 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 Brian. Hold on. Let's just talk this out really fast here. Yeah, yeah. You're upset about the media saying that the Dolphins – you think the, the media portraying the Dolphins as not beating any good teams is false? That is false. Who have they beat this year that's good? Every team in the NFL is a difficult team to beat, right? But, again, they say we don't beat good teams, but these good teams are losing to bad teams. So what does it say about them? So every game in the NFL is tough, and then you want to reward the Dolphins for losing to the good teams. Because the good teams, like the Eagles, lost to the Jets, and the Chiefs lost to the Packers, and the Dolphins didn't do that. There, you don't believe that, Brian, do you? There, there's no way. 
I love the show. Brian, come on. You're are you is this a prank call? Oh, that's good. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that as a as a yes. Uh th thank you for the call, Brian. Appreciate it. Listen, look, you you are winning life by living my in Hawaii, so I'm jealous. But I don't I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he was I hope he was not. Listen, I hope you were not serious about trying to basically dress up losses as why the Dolphins are good because they lost to good teams and the Eagles lost to, let's just say, the Jets. Well, the Eagles also beat some pretty damn good teams, including the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead. Beat the Bills, something the Dolphins could not say they did this year. Look, I like the Dolphins. I, I my, One of my best friends, Taylor Krokowski, shout out to him, is a Dolphins fan. I was over his house at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday when they or on Sunday when they played in Germany, rooting like hell for the Dolphins to beat the Chiefs. Could not do it. I want to sit here and tell you Miami is the team. I can't because they have not beat anyone good. They have not played well when the competition increases to this point. I, for Miami, I am a see it first, then believe it. In this scenario, see it first, then believe it. Cowboys, Ravens, back-to-back -back weeks here, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. That is a chance for those believing in the Dolphins. That is your tangible two games right there to show any doubters, hey, we are good. Win those two. Up to that point, I'm sorry, we can't be talking about Miami right now being the, the, the team to beat in the AFC. Noah's call from Arizona. What's up, Noah? What's up? I just want to dog on that last guy. This ain't college football. You beat who you beat, and you beat who you're who, who's in front of you. You're not. Oh, you lost to a good team. You should still get in. That's bullcrap. You get. You you have a record, and you stay with that record. There's no getting around it. And I think the Ravens, the Ravens, are the team that beat the uh, AFC. They have beat some great teams, and they're playing good football behind Harbaugh. Good running game. Lamar's out, not hurt. He's playing good. And he's just playing amazing. He is playing well. Two concerns here. No, are you okay? No, he's something out of breath. You fired no. up? Yes. Oh, I know. I, I love the passion. I, I appreciate it. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about here. That's the energy we need right here on CBS Sports Radio. Two concerns here, Noah. Number one, um, I don't like the fact that the Ravens have played six games that are one score and they are three and three. They are, like you mentioned, they've blown on some good teams. Plus, though, you're not blowing anyone out. They're all going to be close games. The Ravens have struggled to win close games consistently, number one. Number two, look, Lamar Jackson in his history has not been healthy for the playoffs, and when he has been, not played well. He's been bad in four playoff games. That's a concern for me. I guess not for you. All right, I guess maybe. Playing good right now. If he can stay healthy, he can continue to play well. Just stay healthy. Don't be stupid. Well, you're right on both those segment, uh, sentiments. Thank you, Noah. I love the passion that you're bringing right here to CBS Sports Radio. But that's also, like, that's the thing with, at least for me right now, where I'm not buying into the Ravens is we've seen that for Lamar Jackson, where he's played great in the regular season, when he's looked good, when he's been healthy at times, then postseason, it's a different story. He struggles. And so, kind of like the Dolphins, I'm, like, like the Dolphins, I am a see it, then believe it. I'm not always like that. There are plenty of times where I can believe in something before I actually do see it. In this case, though, I want to see it first before I believe when it comes to the Dolphins beating good teams and when it comes to Lamar Jackson playing well 
um, in playoff games. That's what I want to see. All right, really fast here. I want to bring one point before we do go to um, to the CBS Sports update with Marco Belletti, and that is this. I think the most underwhelming team in the NFL this year has been the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really thought they were going to be a Super Bowl caliber team by this point in the season. Like December 5th, 2023, I thought when we're talking about Super Bowl contenders here, it would be the Chiefs, it would be the Bengals, and right there would be the Jaguars. And we have not seen the case, uh, seen that yet to be the case this year. And it's been, to me, a big disappointment that for all the momentum Jacksonville had the second half of last year, for how well Trevor Lawrence looked down the stretch last year going into the playoffs. Now, he played like crap in the first half of the playoff game against the Chargers, but to his credit, kept playing it and led an improbable comeback over the Chargers in the playoffs. I really thought this team, with the addition of Calvin Ridley, was going to really kind of continue to ascend, take that next step, hit really hit the ground running from week number one, and be one of the top teams in the AFC, if not one of the top teams in the league. And they have come nowhere close to hitting those expectations. Like, they're 8-4. and four. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have a home playoff game. But they right like, to me, I look at the Jaguars last year, this time last year versus the Jaguars at this point in the season, now in 2023. I think last year's team was more dangerous. I think last year's team you fear more than right now you do this year, in part because Trevor Lawrence has not taken that, that next step. I really thought he'd be in the MVP conversation. Again, with how well he finished last year. And I think the first half of last year, you can almost excuse away where Doug Peterson just had to build him up after Urban Meyer tore him down in his rookie year. Where like the first half of the year was just like, okay, let's just get rid of all the bad habits, get rid of the Urban stench, and let's kind of get you back to zero. Then start to build you up. And then you saw, really, around this time when, when he started clicking and that team took off, you saw Trevor Lawrence play like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Got some big-time wins. And again, got a playoff win under his belt already. And I really thought with the addition of Calvin Ridley, who, by the way, in the first half of the first game, after missing a year and a half, was tearing up the Colts. Seven catches, 92 yards, a touchdown. Like He looked like he was going to be one of the best receivers in the league. He, at times, has disappeared. But Lawrence has not taken that next step, despite the fact that he has Calvin Ridley. You know, Christian Kirk now, who they pay like a number one wide receiver um, a few off-seasons ago, now gets bumped down to number two. And now, all of a sudden, you start to build some depth. Evan Ingram has been a serviceable tight end. Travis Etienne, that's the only thing Urban Meyer did well in his tenure in Jacksonville was draft Etienne. He's been tremendous. I love his game in both the run and the pass game. He is a real legitimate weapon. But you've not seen that offense take off. It feels like they're still stuck in, in, in gear number one. And so I, there's been plenty of other teams, but in terms of expectations, where I think, not just myself, by the way, I don't think this is just me misjudging the Jaguars, I think this was felt by many people around the league that this Jacksonville team was really dangerous and that if they just continue to pick up where they left off last year, they were going to be in the Super Bowl mix, and they're nowhere near it. They are nowhere near it. They right now reek of a team that's going to win a home playoff game because look at these three wildcard teams. All three currently right now going to this week will have backup quarterbacks. None exactly scare you in terms of losing at home, but they got to play the Dolphins. In round two in the divisional round, they've got to play the Chiefs, got to play the Ravens. I don't care who they're playing, and even if it's at home, they get the, you know, they sneak in and get a, a top two seed. 
I'm picking one of those three other teams. They just have underwhelmed it for me. Coming off of last night, the num- uh, the first Monday night game at home, I should say, since 2011. You lose to Jake Browning. You let him look like Joe Burrow. He flipped that six upside down into a nine. You'd have no difference. You could not tell the difference between if that was Burrow or Browning. And you lose at home in overtime. I know Trevor Lawrence got hurt, but that defense was absolutely awful. Can't have it. And it just leads to what has been an underwhelming season on top of getting blown out by the 49ers, on top of losing at home earlier this season to the Chiefs. That's plenty of big games. They've lost them. And lost some in some ugly, ugly fashion. I don't think there's been a team right now more underwhelming um, in the league than the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. It is Ryan Hickey with, with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We will come back here, but in a second, I do want to say hello to Marco Bloody. Hello, Marco. What's up, bro? Um, I need, not I need personally, because I'm not in the situation, thankfully, but I, I don't, this is a very weird love story. I want to get your opinion on as a married man yourself. Hmm. I, I don't think I could do this if I was in the situation, but I'm curious if you would. Have you seen the latest news? So are you aware of TJ Holmes, a- Amy Roback, the two Good Morning America co-anchors that were married separately? then with working together, fell in love with each other, divorced their significant others, and now are, are dating and got fired in part because they were dating and kept it a secret for a while? Yes, they did get fired. I didn't keep up with it. I saw the beginning, and I'll be fair, I kind of lost interest after that. I te- Yes, I, I'm pretty sure they were fired. Okay. I think they left okay. on their own accord. Okay. They, so they, are, they left their place to work. But again, they were married, had families, divorced, and now they are, they are dating. Okay. Did you see that Amy Roback's husband... T.J. Holmes' wife are now dating. <laughs> no, I did not. How about that to us? According to page six of the New York Post, the two divorce, I mean, all four divorced, but you get my point, that the two spurned lovers are now, they have apparently bonded over what is, I mean, like not to make light of it, it is truly a tragic situation, but they have bonded over that heartbreak, and now they are dating. Now, see, I would want to know more on the backstory. Did they used to hang out together as, like, couples? Interesting. Did they know each other prior? Or is this something where they commiserated when they found out? Because I feel like commiserating is not a bad thing that could possibly bring you together. But I feel like they would probably have known each other. If those two worked together and obviously something turned into something, I wonder if there was ever times where it bled from work to private life. And that led to, yeah, but separately. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know if it was where we were all like one big giant family and then things went awry or we always kept it separate. We didn't want our spouses to know because there was always something that was between us. I'm just curious the dynamic because that's, that's an interesting way to go. I do not know. I cannot, you know, give you any facts on that, but I find it like if I was in that situation, if I was like, if, if my girlfriend broke up with me, because she's now dating someone at work and it was very public. Mm-hmm. I would not want to date then the other person's, I guess at that point, broken up girlfriend. Because it just, I feel like it would remind you too much of what happened. Like, I would, I am so like who leftovers? Runs, Is that what? Like, no, no, not even. And just like you look at that person's face every day, you know, I'm with you because of what happened. So, like, you both have that scar you're wearing. I get it. So that can bond you. Okay. But for me, I'd want to run away as far from the drama as possible. I'd want to date someone on the complete opposite end of the earth just so I'm not reminded of it every single day 
of what happened. And I think even mm -hmm. whether it's revenge, whether it's just you truly did fall in love with each other because you both are just opening your hearts up to this tragic event, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. just wouldn't want to look at you every day and be reminded, oh, yeah, I'm with you because your husband and my wife, they left us, and now we're together. I mean, that's fair. Uh, I don't know if it's revenge that get you together or if it's um, just understanding where there's no one else on the planet that knows exactly what the other person knows. I mean, there's that's it. There's nobody else. We could all know, I mean, things happen. All people go through different relationships or whatever, and we all have different experiences. That, yeah, but to be so specific, to know exactly what the other person's thinking, there's only one other person that can do that. So maybe you just run to that. Maybe it's just organic. I just don't know how you ran into each other. Like, did you did you find each other at, like, the coffee shop? Like, I, that's the part. Like, I feel like you had to search each other out. Well, I get that. Oh, well, I was going to ask you my next question, sort of on that vein. I get reaching out because you both are in the same boat. Like, you went through a very public breakup because your both of your significant others had to be together. So, like, mm -hmm. I feel like that the reaching out initially, I feel like it's easy of, hey, we literally, literally are sharing the same exact heartbreak. Maybe let's just talk it out or, like, offer support here because we're in the same boat. Let me ask this, and I don't know. I don't know if you know. Are there children involved? I meant to look that up before. Because if I, there's I children involved speak. on both sides, then I understand why you have to get together. If there are no that. children involved, the idea that you reach out to the other person just to see how they're doing, that to me is strange already. Already, I'm not doing that. Unless you're looking for the revenge aspect or you really want to just know every detail from the other person. Like, why? I, I don't understand. the the. You're commiserating for what? Like, there's got to be a, a purpose. There's got to be a, an end. There's got to be a means. Like, well, I'm assuming you're dating. Yeah, but you're dating now. Why would you want to know? If you're talking about, like, you know, you would run away. If I get left and I'm and I'm doing it in a public manner, do I want to know what the other person's – like, I don't, I don't want to know from you. The only way oh, I would want to know – that's why, like, the first conversation doesn't make sense to me. That's why you're not meeting at the coffee shop. You had to seek each other out. That's the part that's strange for me if you didn't already have an existing relationship – or you're not bound together through children. You're bound together through children. Different story. Totally different story. I can't. Because I if, don't know. If you get comes... divorced and you have kids, as much as you're divorced, you're never out of each other's lives. Right. You have no choice but to figure out a way to now move forward together separately. But you've got to figure it out because you got kids. They, your parents don't change. you got to figure out how to work, make this work so that your children have both parents. You just live separately. That part I get. If there's no children involved on either side, then no. The exes should not be talking to each other unless they had a prior relationship of some sort or they really want a revenge. Those are the only two motives. I do not know about the kids. It doesn't look like it, but I can't confirm. I was going to ask, like, how do you even, like, what's your pickup line there? Well, that's like, what I mean, like. Like, is it like you both are crying over this and then after a while it's like, okay, well, uh, you want to get dinner tonight or? I, or what? I don't even know how you start the initial conversation. I agree. So. If they did get a dinner together, that would be an awkward. I think that would just be just like a totally awkward like dinner. Like, okay, so what do we talk about? Oh, let's talk about like our super public divorce yeah, I, over I, dinner. Like, I feel like I would not want to do that at all. I, I got to I, I gotta say, I would be more comfortable at the dinner than I would the initial conversation. If I've never met this person, I've now been left by my wife. Everyone knows about it. You got left by your husband. Everybody knows about it. I'm calling you up. So, this sucks, huh? Like, how does that start? 
That's the conversation that seems awkward. Once you've already gotten to dinner and you've broken the ice, then it's different. Then you're just with another person. Like, I don't get how you start the conversation. I just feel like that. I personally, I feel like that part's the easiest part. Hey, we, like, we are the in the public spotlight. We both got humiliated, basically, frankly, in a way. Like, yes. we can, like... Yeah, I got I don't know I, if you want to say bond over it. You want to talk about it. You want to discuss yeah, I it. Gotta, you wanna, like, I got to tell you, if you're reaching out to me and I'm going through this now, so do you want to talk about it? No. With you? Like, what? What? I don't know you. What are we doing here? I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed at you, too. I'm mad at everybody. Why is it her fault? It's not. I'm mad at everybody. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If I don't know you, what the hell? I, I, I don't know. I don't see the initial conversation. I don't feel that as a bonding moment. I feel that as, again, unless it's a revenge or you already know each other. If you know each other, then it's different. Then it's like, can you believe this? Then you're just starting. I'm assuming. I mean, again, I have no idea. I'm assuming if they've worked together for then, years. Then like, that makes more sense to me. If you don't really have any. Well, because it's possible that they had no interaction. No, you're right. If you're working possible. with someone and if you end up with them, is it plausible to say that from the beginning there were some feelings or some possibility that even if it was in at the at the top, it was underneath the surface. There were some thoughts there. So maybe you wanted to keep them away from your spouse. That's the way I look at it. Unless it came out of the blue. But we are human, right? It doesn't really come out of the blue, does it? You don't wake up one day. Yeah, and say, it does kind of like, you know what? I gotta tell you, you're good looking. Like just, <laughs> you didn't just randomly think that. I feel like that was something that you knew. <laughs> so that's possible to me that you would keep them separate just to try to, you know. Give yourself a chance. That I again, I just for me, I'm more caught up in just like you're with them and they are inadvertently a reminder every single day of what happened. Everyone is different, everyone copes different. Mm-hmm. It sounds like everyone is well, we know at least the other two are happy, but it sounds like everyone is happy. Now couldn't be me. There is precedent for this. It's a little different. Now I don't know, I don't remember the names, hmm. but there were and I want to say they played for the Yankees, but don't hold me to that 100%. There were teammates that traded wives. No way. Oh, yeah. What was this? Google machine. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now. Yankees switch hitters, man. (laughs) Everybody was happy, and it wound up being one of those things. I think they were all, like, friends. Fritz, Peterson, and Mike Kekic? I don't don't remember. They, They basically just switched families. They concluded they were married to the wrong people yep. and swapped partners. Yep. So there's precedent. What? That's what I'm saying. Like, that to me, though, like, you already know each other. That's where the four of you have gotten together and you look around and you're like, you know what? I got to tell you, it ain't you. It's you. That's weird, but it, at least there's something there. I wonder if this was the same scenario or if they really didn't know each other. They traded children and pets? No, no, no. Yeah, the, no, they swapped lives. They that, just, yeah. We didn't swap wives. We swapped lives. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. 70s, right? 72. Yeah. Did they win the World Series that year? The Yankees? Yeah. No, they were awful. Wow. Bad, bad team chemistry, I guess. Well, I mean, I can't imagine. Well, you know what? I, that's that's actually pretty good team chemistry. I mean, if you're willing to switch lives with somebody, I think you got to yeah. be. Well, but up to that yeah, point, like, true. I'm sure you look at the other girls and say, oh, man, I love her, man. Johnny over there I really, don't really know. Easy, How do you, you know? like, tell your kids, oh, hey, um, so, so it turns out I actually am just going to trade. Like, so you're going to have a new dad. I'm still I, your dad, but you're going to have a new dad. I'm going to go to this person because I'm there. Like, I'm, I want to be their father. I, I, How does that even, like, work? I, I, that part I'm Great unaware question, of. Great question, Jack. That, I mean, like, I, like I, if I'm, like, their child, I'm scarred for life. Like, like you're just told. Well, like, it's been many years. Well, I mean. 855-212-4CBS. Yeah, you never know. Maybe they're listening.
Maybe you're right. You're right. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of CBS. That's very true. This is, this is very true. This was 1972. It was a long time ago. If, hey, if you're out there, well, we got to hear about it. That is, yes, please give us a call. All right. When we do return here, uh, odds to win the national title. I'll give you why I think Washington is the, be- is the team that is going to win the national title. It's all said and done. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, really fast here. College football playoff championship predictions. Washington, to me, is the most likely. Alabama, two. Texas, three. Michigan, four. Here's why Michigan is fourth. They, to me, have the worst quarterback of the four teams in the playoff. And I think they trust J.J. McCarthy the least. Like, look at the biggest games Michigan has played this year. Penn State, Ohio State. McCarthy in those two games combined to throw the ball just 28 times. I don't think it's because they didn't have to throw the ball. I think it's because they didn't want McCarthy throwing the football. That also on top of the fact that there's really no explosion in the passing game for Michigan. There's no receivers that really worry you. They're going to take the top off the defense. They're going to turn a a 10-yard slant into an 80-yard touchdown. So, Because of right now Michigan's, I think, weakness in the passing game and lack of trust in their quarterback, I don't think they're beating Alabama. You're not going to beat Alabama just running the ball down their throat 45 times. It's not going to happen. I don't think Michigan has the requisite passing offense to win a championship this year. That's why, to me, they are fourth. They are last of these four teams. Washington is number one because they check every box of a national title contender. They can play physical football. They can... Pass the ball all over the yard. Run the ball down your throat when they have to. The defense is not good. They do, though, get timely stops. That is important. And that's why I think for me, when you look at these four teams, I think Washington is the most well-rounded, dangerous, capable team of winning a national title this year. Alabama, I really like the way they built and I like the momentum they have. They're number two for me. Texas is three. I love Quinn Ewers and that passing offense. They are explosive. Uh, I don't think they're going to get by Washington, but they absolutely can win a title if they do get by Washington. And Michigan, to me, fourth on that list. All right. You're about to hear the music. A big thank you to Jack Cardi doing a great job producing the show. A big thank you to you for tuning in on this Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. I am back tomorrow, same place, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CBS Sports Radio. Miss any part of the show? Hick at Night Podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Also, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just check out Ryan Hickey. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Where else? But right here on CBS Sports Radio.